You're listening to Good to Grow, a podcast for budding green thumbs. We'll dig into the fun, frustration, and science of growing your own food and flowers in Alberta. For even more tips, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow. Hi, I'm Sandra Speronis, and on this episode, we'll learn about growing fruit in Alberta. Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton is a group of volunteers dedicated to raising awareness about the benefits of locally grown food. The nonprofit organization first launched as a way to rescue surplus fruit from backyards in the Edmonton area. The group now runs its own micro orchard and hosts workshops on how to care for fruit trees and bushes. Mike Johnson is the orchard manager for Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton. Welcome to Good to Grow, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. What was the inspiration behind the mini orchard? The inspiration behind the mini orchard was to provide a location for Operation Fruit Rescue to provide a home for it. Previously, we were just all over the city and our house was ground zero for all the rescued fruit to come back to us because at that time, Operation Fruit Rescue was accepting a quarter of the fruit. So we could actually make value-added products. And so our backyard was filled with thousands of pounds of apples. And we needed a location that was bigger than our backyard to actually process that fruit. But also, we wanted a location that would showcase what could grow in the Edmonton Capital Region and become more of a public space so that we weren't just like an online organization. We actually had a physical space. In discussion with the city, we landed on the orchard location at the Intercultural Center, which was just being formed at that time because the Macaulay School had closed down and it was being transformed into the Intercultural Center. And they said that we could use the land on there. And we felt that was a perfect location because it was on 107A Avenue between 95th and 96th Street. And that's currently where it's placed beside the soccer field and the parking lot. And it's a highly visible location and very close to actually downtown. We wanted that location because of the size of the property that we can grow a large amount of fruit and have a really sort of interesting design in there that could showcase sort of permaculture principles and all these other different growing techniques, which include espalier, grafting, interconnected water systems with underground pathways or mulch pathways companion planting of planting nitrogen fixing plants with the fruit growing plants so it can really develop and showcase really what could actually grow in uh, the capital region because most people had no idea that you could even grow pears here let alone apricots and plums and we had all these apples so we were able to plant multiple different varieties of fruit. So what's all growing in there now? So we have probably about 10 different varieties of apples. We've got about four different varieties of cherries. So there's three Evans cherries. We've got a Carmine Jewel cherry, a Romeo and a Juliet cherry. We've got five or six rhubarb plants, some plums, We've got grapes growing up espalier. We have red currants, gooseberries, hascaps, and some Saskatoons. Wow. 
And those are just the fruit-bearing varieties, not including any of the non-fruit-bearing varieties, which would include sort of our Russian olive, Amarmaki, lupins, and now we've got raspberries. And the asparagus is is coming up, but it needs a couple more years before we start harvesting that. And the orchard, it's open to the public, right? So I could go in there and start nibbling on the fruit. Yeah, so the, the orchard is totally open to the public. Anybody can come there. They can actually see what's going on and pick the fruit if it's ripe. There's no fences or gates or anything associated with it. And that was part of the thing we wanted to do. We didn't want to actually close it off and make it sort of private. We felt that it was really necessary to have this as a public space that people could enjoy and come at random at their own time. Uh, They could come pull a couple weeds. They could come and then look at the fruit. They could look at the blossoms when it's blossoming and come back and, and harvest when they need to or want to. I always found that it was really interesting is that the cherries get picked about three or four days before I think that they're actually ripe enough to pick. And so (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're going to wait until they're dark purple or dark red to to pick. And people are picking them just before that. And I'm like, oh, so I don't get my I don't get my cherries through the orchard. I go through the Operation Fruit Rescue website and now through leftovers to actually get onto some of these picks to go pick up the, my, my cherry 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 supply for the year. Okay, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, how did you uh, first get interested in growing fruit, Mike? Uh, well, I grew up on a farm in Guelph, and I met my wife here in Edmonton. I came here for work about 12, 13 years ago, and my wife came here for work 12, 13 years ago. She actually came here two days before I actually arrived. And um, <laughs> Nice. We sort of met online, and we're both really interested in food. And one of my former classmates was here, so we met up with her, and she was really interested in sort of traditional skills. And Amy was my wife was really interested in soap and so there was an event that was put together as sort of a potluck of a traditional skills and the traditional skills was just talking about what people could learn from everybody else and sort of rebuild some of the knowledge that's been lost through the sort of industrialization and modernization of, of sort of everything and out of that it became known that there was a lot of fruit that was going to waste in people's backyards And it was determined through that, that we would do some research about organizations that were existing, specifically a group called Not Far From the Tree of Toronto and the Fruit Tree Project out of Victoria. And from that, it was born through a piece of paper, a phone number, and an interview with CBC. Uh, (laughs) And we started going through creating Google spreadsheets of tracking our numbers and just started getting people going on picks. And over the years, the, the system and, and has morphed because when we first started, it was just a Google spreadsheet and we had what was classified as a fruit captain model where a volunteer would organize the entire pick and then email our entire volunteer base and then uh, completely organize the pick. Uh, unfortunately, we found that there was a bottleneck because we just didn't have enough volunteers or fruit captains to organize the picks. And so this group out of Winnipeg created a software that would automate a lot of that process. And so we purchased that that software to automate a lot of it. And so then the homeowners became sort of the directors of the pick, would indicate a time and then 
we would just sort of put together them in emails and then send them out. And so during the pick season, which is actually right now, we would have emails going out every single day about the variety of picks for the next week. And in about two weeks, we'd probably be at our peak mid-August through to mid-September. And we would have anywhere between 10 or 15 picks available to go off at almost any single day. And we were limited by our capacity just because we only had and still only have about 100 volunteers with it. So we partnered this year with Leftovers to take over the backyard fruit harvest system so that we can really start to focus more back in on the education and provide the workshops so that people can really understand really what grows here, how do we grow it, and what can you do with that fruit, doing preserving workshops, canning and stuff. So really getting back to sort of the origin of the organization right? and trying to really help eliminate food waste with inside the city. How much fruit do you think you rescued over the last 10 years? Oh, that's actually really hard to calculate. We try every year to calculate it, but it's it, it always seems low. And so I always like to think that we probably rescue about 10,000 pounds a year and distribute it to various organizations with inside the city. And I think that's about an accurate plus or minus scenario in the depending upon the year. And so now if you want to... Uh let people come and pick your fruit, you have to contact Leftovers, right? Yeah. So Leftovers is an organization that we partnered with and you just go to their website, you download their app, and then you'd be able to communicate with them to organize a pick. A slightly different process than what Operation Fruit Rescue does, but it still gets the, the fruit into the hands, mouths, and minds of people in the Edmonton Capital Region. Let's talk about Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton again. What kind of um, workshops do you offer? Over the years, uh, we've offered many different types of workshops. This year, we're offering cider pressings and a cider workshop. So people can actually learn how to actually make a soft cider. And then we can actually tell them how to actually turn that into hard cider or apple cider vinegar or just preserve the soft cider. So the, the workshops are, are where people can actually bring their apples and we'll actually press it for them and then create sort of a cider and they can take that home with it. We do that because what we wanted to do was increase the capacity for people to actually pick because a single apple tree can produce upwards and over 200 pounds of apples. That produces a lot of pies, which, of course, in 365 days a year, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's having an apple pie every single day. <laughs> I think I'd have to say uncle after seven days. Yeah. So after you've created your 30 or 40 pies, you're like, what do we do with all this fruit? And so the easiest way to actually get rid of a lot of apples is to turn it into apple cider. And so we created these workshops to increase the capacity of our volunteers. And it was such a big hit that we opened it up to the homeowners that we couldn't actually get to that if you want to pick your apples or if you have the ability to pick your apples, pick your apples, bring them here and we'll press them and then you can get cider. If you're really interested in the process, then you can actually go and then create your own cider press or continue going back through it. So it's about increasing the capacity for it. 
So that was one of the major workshops that we do every year. And before COVID-19, we did about, we did it every other weekend except for on long weekends. This year we'll be doing two cider pressings and one presentation on how to, how to do the cider pressings. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing a canning and preserving workshop this year, hopefully. And we've got an apple maggot workshop. We've got pruning. Uh, we've got two pruning workshops, one happening in spring and we'll have another one happening in the fall. Then we've got a workshop for gardening at the orchard for rebuilding our pathways. It's going to be on the 22nd of this month where we're going to be rebuilding our pathways because the pathways in the orchard is a permaculture principle that has the bottom of the trench at the same elevation. And so it's a it's a classified as a self-watering system mm-hmm. where you put water into the pathway. And once the water has infiltrated the ground and soaked it all up, the water can then move throughout the entire orchard and then water from below. So you don't need to actually water the trees from above because you get a lot more precipitation or evaporation uh, that will come off. But you feed it from the underground and through the pathways. So you're walking on, on top of your mulch. The water itself will then eventually break down that mulch into high quality soil and then you can replace that mulch by digging it out throwing it on top because now it's broken down quite well into a high quality carbon rich soil and then put new mulch on the pathways Mm -hmm. so that the entire system can then still work and we can get water to anywhere inside the orchard where we actually have the pathways and then feed it quite well from underside so that's a really nice system and event that's going on yeah. uh, this month. It sounds fascinating. Mike, what tips would you give people who are interested in growing fruit for the first time? There's several tips. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a hard one to, to actually say because a lot of people like apple trees, but a lot of people don't understand how much fruit comes off of apple trees. I think that understanding the variety that you're going to get is really key to really making it productive. So determine if you want an eating apple or if you want a baking apple or if you want a crab apple mm-hmm. and what do you, what's your intention with it. So this is specifically for apples. And then you'll want to take care of the tree by doing pruning so that as the tree grows, you can shape the tree so that you don't have apples at 30 feet above the ground. But your apple tree can be 10 years old, but producing 200 pounds of apples, but you can get at all the apples with a step ladder. And so proper pruning and maintenance of the, of the tree is essential right. to ensuring quality fruit, but also accessible fruit from it. And so that, that's really key. Placement of the tree is essential in the yard. You want to make sure that it has good light so that it grows, but you want to actually understand where it's going because it's going to provide a lot of shade in and around the area because as it grows, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. I also have cherry trees and cherry trees. The the big thing about that is understanding where it's going because they're going to sucker all over the place. And so you'll want to make sure that you, you take care of that. Right. Those are the big things. I think the correct selection of the fruit that you want is is really key. Now, if you don't select or you find that you don't like that apple that you have on there, don't be discouraged. You have a tree. Don't cut it down. Just look at it and say, 
I'm going to go graft on a different type. Really? And so, yeah, because all your trees can be grafted. So if you've got an apple tree with, say, a really bad tasting apple or one that's totally covered in apple maggots, then you can actually graft on a different variety and then just watch that grow. It'll take a couple of years, but you can graft on multiple varieties. In stores, you can you can buy trees that actually have five apples on it wow. or five different varieties. I would not recommend purchasing those ones. I'd recommend purchasing a single variety and then grafting on to those ones with the varieties that you want uh, more specific. And it's best to grow, to buy a, a small plant, right? And not grow from seed. You won't get the result that you want by growing from seed. There was a great sort of quote, which, which says, within every apple, there is an orchard invisible. Because apples have, or apples have seeds, those seeds are indeterminate varieties, meaning that planting, we'll say a good land apple seed in the ground will get you an apple tree, but it may not get you a good land variety apple because the seeds are indeterminate. You'll get any different variety or many different varieties of apples. So how apple producers do it is they graft under all trees. In Edmonton, all trees are grafted from the start. And the reason why they're grafted from the start is because we live in a northern climate and northern climate gets really cold. So a root stock, which will be able to survive the cold, is planted first. So a hardy root stock of three eggs, and then you would graft on the edible variety of apple that you want to actually grow onto, whether that be a good land apple, whether it's be a double crab apple, whether it be Harcourt, or any number of different varieties of apples are all grafted onto it. And they're all grafted onto the hardy rootstock to ensure that they survive Edmonton winters. And then you get the tasty apples or whatever type of apple you want above it. You mentioned something about apple maggots. How much of a problem are they in Edmonton? Apple maggots are a serious problem in, in Edmonton. When Operation Fruit Rescue started, say 12, 13 years ago, I consider about one in 10 trees had apple maggots. Now we're looking at about nine out of 10 trees in Edmonton have apple maggots. So the apple maggot is a fly. The fly pupates its larvae into the apple. As a worm then wiggles around in the apple, eats all day long, the apple falls down the ground, the worm crawls out of the apple and then goes dormant in the ground. And then in the spring reemerges as a fly flies up and then repeats that process. So to prevent apple maggots, we need to pick up the apples right after they drop on the ground. So we got to pick up all the windfall apples right away to prevent any apple maggots from basically crawling out and getting in the ground and then restarting that cycle. Now, it's not just enough that you pick up your apples, even though that's a start. Everybody in your neighborhood needs to pick up, mm -hmm. uh, pick up their apples because the apple maggot can travel up to a kilometer from its original host tree to actually find it. Wow. So everybody in the city needs to do their part to actually pick up the apples to ensure that we don't spread apple maggot further and we protect the trees. So would you recommend trying another fruit tree instead of an apple tree, like maybe going for plum or pear? 
That's a good question. I would say no. If you're really interested in apples, grow apples. The early season varieties are much more prone to apple mega than late season variety apples. So anything that goes at the first two weeks of August are really prone to apple maggots. Ones that are late September apples are more hardy to it just because of the cycle of the apple maggot, which kind of like emerges mid-June and comes up. And so apples that are ready in early August are more developed. And so the apple maggots seem to be more drawn to them rather than late season apples, which seem to be a little bit later. Hmm. That being said, I think that apples are fantastic and we should plant as many apple trees as possible because they produce so much fruit that it's a really good source of nutrients and they're really healthy for anybody who, who, who wants to eat them. Pears are fantastic. I find that they're a little bit harder to sort of manicure and to grow because they grow very vertical, very quick. So you got to be very quick in sort of pruning out sort of the direct verticals so you can get more around a tree. It's just like how they grow. Multiple varieties of fruit trees, just like multiple varieties of any tree, will help diversify the neighborhood. And the more diverse ecosystem you have in your yard, the, the better it is. So instead of planting like four apple trees, plant an apple tree, plant a pear tree, plant a plum tree, plant a cherry tree, plant all the trees. Mm -hmm. So plant them all so they get the variety. That variety really helps in increasing the diversity in the entire area and improves sort of the resilience of your entire yard because it's not a monocrop. Right. When's the best time of year to plant a tree? Early spring, late fall. Uh Aha. And so during the head of summer is not the most ideal time to actually plant trees. They they go in a little bit more shock just because the, the, the heat is there. So in the fall, great time to actually plant, plant it. The tree will We'll have a little bit of time to get its roots in. It'll then go dormant in the winter, and then we'll start growing nicely in the spring. The other option is growing it right in the spring. Early spring, get your tree, pop it in, and then I'll have the entire summer to actually grow and then get ready for it. And when's the best time to prune? Best time to prune is in February. Alternatively, early spring, right before or before the tree gets any blossoms and has any buds, and then late in the fall. And if someone wants to know more about Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton, where should they go? The best place to go is our website, so operationfruitrescue.org. And it has all our contact information on there. Send us an email uh, and we'll get through. We don't have a phone number, so you can't call us, but you can send us emails. We check the email regularly during harvest season in the summer, and then infrequently during the winter and the slow months. We can help you on multiple occasions of like understanding like how to help out at the orchard, go out stuff that you want to do. Yeah, just give us a shout. We'd be happy to provide our, our knowledge and support. Awesome. Thanks, Mike, for joining us on Good to Grow. Thank you for having me. Mike Johnson is the orchard manager for Operation Fruit Rescue Edmonton. For more information, visit operationfruitrescue.org. Thanks for listening to AMA's Good to Grow podcast. I'm Sandra Speronis. Happy gardening. Good to-
to Grow is produced by the Alberta Motor Association. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For even more gardening tips and tales, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow.